You are listening to Sermon Snippets with Max Taylor, where we exposit God's Word and apply its instruction to our everyday lives. As we study God's Word, we are learning truth that corrects our thinking, meets our needs, and teaches us more about Christ. Here's your host, Max Taylor. Back in Daniel chapter 9, we are going to look at the conclusion of Daniel's prayer, and then we are actually going to get into part of the vision that is given to Daniel by God here in this very monumental chapter, Daniel chapter 9. But notice, first off, just the sheer uh, number of verses that's given to the prophecy we're going to see when we get down into these verses. It's verses 24 through 28 is actually the famous prophecy. When people refer to Daniel chapter 9, when you hear it preached on, when you hear a Bible study given about it, that's the vast majority of the time the verses that are focused on, the verses that are emphasized is just four verses, 24 through 28. But from verse 1 all the way to verse 20, is Daniel's devotional life, his private walk with God before he received this vision. So that tells us the emphasis that God places not just on impressive visions, not just on foretelling the future and seeing these events as they unfold, but just on a personal walk with God, just a one-on-one level relationship with the Lord. And that's what Daniel has been showing us. So I'm glad we've been able to really take some time and draw this out of this section. That's where we're going to pick up here today. So if you look down, we'll just start in verse 18. We've already read some of these verses, but this will lead into the uh, the end of this prayer, some of the verses we didn't get a chance to go over last week. And then after that, we will go into some of the prophecy here. So Daniel 9, verse 18, Daniel prays, O my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes and behold our desolations. In this city, which is called by thy name, for we do not present our supplication before thee. For our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not. For thine own sake, O my God. For thy city and thy people are called by thy name. And that's the end of Daniel's prayer as he gives it directly to the Lord. Then we read the closing verse that kind of uh, summarizes, kind of breaks down the different sections of Daniel's prayer where the Bible outlines itself in verse 20. So we'll go ahead and read that next verse. It says, And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, Verse 21 says, Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. So Daniel then transitions, begins to talk about how this vision came about. It was given to him by the the angel, the messenger, Gabriel, who had already uh, had encounters with Daniel. But he he summarizes his prayer in verse 20, and I love it when Scripture does this, when the Bible outlines itself. He tells us exactly what he was praying. We don't have to look to some man-made division or outline or points and sub-points of this prayer because the Bible gives it for us right here. 
He says, while I was speaking and praying, what was he praying? Confessing my sin. That's the first part. And the sin of my people Israel. That's the second part. And presenting my supplication before the Lord my God. Those are the three parts of Daniel's prayer. And that's what we were looking at last week. His confession. And then when he he says, confessing the sins of my people Israel, that's intercession. That's not just praying for yourself, but it's asking for forgiveness for a group of people, praying on their behalf, interceding for them. That's what Christ and the Holy Spirit do for us in our life, interceding for us, praying for us before the Father. That's what Daniel was doing. And we saw how he's included in these other uh, descriptions of people who, who did this throughout the Old Testament, how Abraham is an example and Moses. And uh, there are others who interceded. Christ is the ultimate example who interceded for his people, the, the, the Jewish people, the people of Israel. So his prayer consisted of confession. That's asking for personal forgiveness for his own sin. Secondly, intercession, praying for others. And third, supplication. That was where he presented his request. And he didn't ask for worldly, earthly, temporary things that pass away. He asked for real spiritual things, for things like forgiveness and God's mercy. Um, something else that really sticks out to me is, is his prayer in verse 16. He he prays some really deep theological thoughts, and some of his expressions are are just packed. He says, O Lord, according to all thy righteousnesses, uh, righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from the city Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach unto all that are about us. He prays for the testimony and the reputation of his land to be restored, but he recognizes at the same time, and I think this is an important lesson for us, that sometimes the people don't hate God's people or despise God's people because of the gospel or because of the righteousness or because of the holiness that they have, but actually because God's people can oftentimes be such a hypocritical representation of God. So he's saying we are a reproach because of our sins, because of our iniquities and the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem has become a stain on the land. And he wanted God to restore them. That's a very deep thing to supplicate about, to, to ask God, to pray for. So he was praying for very spiritual needs. His prayer was full of big picture, big themes. Um, and so that's a challenge for us to look at that example. And then this prayer leads right into the prophecy. And that's what I want us to take away as well is that we, we are reminded from this example that the prophecy is a direct result of the time that he spent studying the Bible and in prayer. And that goes back to what we said a few weeks ago, that the closer you get to God, the closer you get to God. Um, the more time you spend with him, seeking him, the more God reveals himself to you. So now let's go ahead and start reading the next couple of verses down towards the vision itself. So we read where the angel Gabriel was caused to fly swiftly 
to him. In verse 22, we'll continue reading in verse 23. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I came to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. That's the introduction to this vision. God explicitly told Daniel that he wanted him to be informed on this matter. He wanted to give him wisdom and skill about this prophecy coming up because Daniel was well beloved of God. He had a relationship with God and God saw his walk, his spiritual devotion, and it was a sweet smelling savor to God. God valued his relationship with Daniel. It was a sweet thing. And because Daniel was so close to God, so beloved, such a a friend with God, God wanted to reveal this vision to him. So now let's read it. Verses 24 through 28. And this is one of the most spectacular visions of all scripture. So hang on as we read this. Verse 24 says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two days. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate." The end of Daniel chapter 9. What a prophecy. There is such a whirlwind of information that is packed into those four verses. And that's all a result of Daniel's close walk with God. Now, there is a lot that we're going to get into as we go through this. I don't know if you picked up on all these things, but here's just some of the details that are included in that prophecy. There are two princes mentioned. I don't know if you caught that. There's the prince and then the prince that shall come. Two different princes are discussed. There's three different periods of time. There's 69 weeks, which is mentioned in verse 25. Verse 26 mentioned 62 weeks. And then verses 26 and 27 mention one week. And then they even divide that one week into, uh, into half. So there's different periods of time. Historically, there are two different possibilities that fit the interpretation of this dream. And they're about 45 years apart. So there's 458 BC could be the decree or 454 could be the decree. So the decree could be four years apart. There's uh, four different references to this period of judgment in scripture that have to be untangled and have to be interpreted. There's the servitude, uh, which 
is mentioned in Daniel. Then there's the captivity. Then the time called the indignation, which is a third different category of, of time there of judgment. Then there's the desolations. And we, we heard that repeated here in Daniel chapter 9. Desolations. It's actually mentioned in the beginning of Daniel chapter 9 as well. So there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot of details. So many details. When is this prince coming on the scene? When is he cut off? Which uh, decree are we even talking about? Because there's different decrees that are options. Who's the king? What What is going on? Who are the two princes? But what I want to, and trust me, we're going to unpack all these uh, four monumental verses in the next episode. But for now, what is important to understand is that the theme of this prophecy is Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for our sin. If you cut through all the details and you just walk away with one main point, it's it's what's mentioned in verse 25. It says, Unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off but not for himself. That is the beautiful message of the gospel, that Christ would come to earth, the Messiah would be given, and that he would be cut off, but not for his own sin, that Jesus would die, sacrifice his own life, but not for himself, not because he deserved it, because he did it out of love for us. And that's what God wanted Daniel to understand. That's what God wanted to reveal to his beloved prophet who spent time with him every single day. So that's how you get from prayer to prophecy. And tune in next week as we unpack some of these details and focus in a little more on the main point of this prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. See you then. Thank you for listening to Sermon Snippets. If this Bible study is a help to you, consider downloading the weekly episodes or sharing this podcast with a friend. Until next time, remember that God's Word is perfect, and it's everything you need to live for Him.